Welcome friends to Infertility and Me podcast, a safe space created with the silent sufferer in mind. I Am Podcast is dedicated to infertility advocacy and sharing diverse stories to help you feel validated, seen, and heard. I am your host, Monique Farouk, and I am one in eight two. Healing is best when done together. Hey friend, could you please do me the honor of leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes? This will increase our show's ranking and reach more friends who may be silently suffering with infertility too. We're stronger together, staying connected, getting plugged in. Thank you, friends, so much for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. We're here with another episode from one of our public guests. Her name is Tiffany. She is a nurse, registered nurse, and she's going to share with us her story of endometriosis, stage four endometriosis, you guys. I know a lot of you out there have had the experience with having stage four endometriosis and have had surgeries and um, some of your reproductive organs removed and or partially removed. And so I know that this episode will help you if you are in the midst of infertility and maybe you haven't had surgery yet for your endometriosis or you're getting ready to go through it. And so I know that this episode will be um, comforting to you to, to know that you're not alone, you guys. You're truly not alone in this thing called infertility. And Tiffany also shares the mistreatment of by doctors over the years, starting when she was a teenager and having these painful menses and not being diagnosed until she was in her 20s, already a nurse. And then she had surgery right after they got married. So thank you, friends, for being here. As you guys know, my baby Omar is home with me. And so you may hear him in the background from time to time during episodes. And so I apologize in advance if it's too distracting. You can't make it through the episode, but I am a work from home mom and this is mom life, you guys. So I appreciate you for being here. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram at Infertility and Me Podcast. You can also visit the website to share your story publicly in the tab get in touch and also you can share anonymously on the podcast if you would like to record with me about your story and that is also on the website for to fill out the form and connect with me and record for an episode and I will have that information in the show details anything that is talked about during the show you guys whether it's the guest social media handles and or ways to connect with me is in the show notes and so you want to pay attention to that so that you can connect with myself or the guest of the day or products and services that I recommend. And you can also send in letters to me, you guys, at infertilityandme at outlook.com. If you just want to say, hey, I will read it on the show. If you just want to send in a letter about your story and you'd like me to read it on the show. Again, I thank you guys so much for being here at Infertility and Me podcast. You didn't have to hit that play button but you did. And I so appreciate you. And we've now reached well over 20,000 downloads on the podcast. And I'm just so excited that 
it is being a place of comfort to you guys, obviously. And I appreciate you and hope to be able to stick around for the long haul and continue to bring you stories of brothers and sisters who are in the midst and the thick of trying to conceive. And I just thank you guys and I love you. And please, if you can rate and review this podcast on Apple iTunes or whatever platform that you're listening from, it helps to reach more infertility warriors, brothers and sisters on the platform. And it also lets people know that this is a place to be for all things infertility and finding support and community. Thank you guys so, so very, very much. I can't say it enough. All right, guys, we're back with our girl, Tiffany. She is going to share with us her story of infertility. She is still actually in the thick of things. Uh, Tiffany, girl, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being a voice to other sufferers out there and to black and brown women. Thank you for having me. Hello. Uh, It's my absolute pleasure. So, Tiffany, how did you and hubby meet? It's so crazy. (laughs) So, um, his brother and I actually went to high school together. Um, And so, one night I was at work on an overnight, and he put up a post on Facebook like, hey, if you're up, uh, hit my inbox. I'm working on some music. I want some input. So, I was up. I hit his inbox. I listened to the music. I'm like, okay, yeah, that was nice. That was dope. I'm like, did you do this? He's like, yeah, I mean, I play around with music a little bit here and there. And I knew that he was a comedian. And so I was just like, oh, okay, well, that's what's up. Yeah, good song. And so we just kept talking all night. Like, he stayed up with me my whole eight-hour shift. And when I got off that morning, he's like, you want to hang out tonight? I'm like, sure. And we hung out, and we never stopped hanging out. (laughs) That is so cute. I love when like people get hooked up by like a family member or a friend or something like that because it's like somebody knows them more than when you first meet them, and so they you almost feel like you can trust the situation a little bit more. You know, it doesn't work out that way for everybody, but right. <laughs> right. So, were you already a nurse at this point when you guys met, or were you still in school? No, I was a nurse. I was doing some private duty on the weekends and then working at a facility during the week. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so we're going to get into this to this fertility stuff, but I wanted to ask you another icebreaker question, and that is how would you describe Tiffany and who she is right now? Are you? Do you feel like you're an optimistic person, a worrier? Um, I think I'm very optimistic. I am not afraid really of too much of anything. I am willing to take a risk, take a chance. Like I am adventurous right now. So how has that shaped how you've been coping with and dealing with infertility for for thus long? Um, In the beginning, it really was like, to me, it almost felt like it was the end of the world. But once I realized that it wasn't the end of the world, that there were more people than just me dealing with uh, infertility, it gave me a sense of a purpose. It gave me a drive to push more. It gave me a, a drive to fight more. It gave me the opportunity to be vocal. I felt like other people maybe not want to share 
but I had no problem sharing. I felt like I had no choice but to share because there's so many people out here fighting in silence. And so I couldn't mm-hmm. be fearful. I couldn't be scared. I had to step out on faith, step out despite what I may have, you know, felt a little bit in the beginning. I had to step out because there's so many people who fight in silence and I'm just not a silent person. <laughs> I am not <laughs> silent at all. So the um, just being adventurous, not worrying about anything, I'm going to step out and ask questions and tell my story. It just helped me cope with my diagnosis that much better. I knew that there were other people out there who needed me to be strong for them. And so in doing that, it kind of almost felt, I guess, maybe like second nature, because with you being a nurse, you already had the natural gift of nurturing and helping others cope, right? Exactly. Exactly. So you and hubby get married. When in your marriage did you guys begin to start trying to conceive or did you have some physical condition that led to your diagnosis before you guys started trying to conceive? Okay, so uh, four months before we got married, I was really sick, uh, had a very bad uh, menstrual cycle. It was the worst ever. I was doubled over. I said, I need to go to the hospital. Um, We went to the hospital. They gave me some morphine, sent me home. The next day, the doctor called and they're like, we saw you were in the emergency department are you feeling better? I'm like, no. So they gave me a same day appointment. We went in to see the OB. Um, They did an ultrasound. And I could just remember crying during the whole ultrasound because I was in so much pain. And when they were done, the lady asked me, she says, do you have a left ovary? And I'm like, we're born with two, right? (laughs) She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, yes, I do. And she's like, okay, hold on. And so the doctor came in very insensitive to my husband and I and she says to me I'm not sure what you're planning uh for the future as far as being a mom but you guys need to discuss it because we're going to the OI right now we need to remove your left ovary and she walked out of the room and so they took me to the OR they woke me up at like four in the morning and they were like, so we got good news and bad news. Um, the good news is we were able to save the ovary. The bad news is you have stage four endometriosis, which causes infertility. Here's a list of fertility clinics in the area. Good luck. And they walked out. So it was four months before getting married. And I'm like, listen, we'll deal with this after the wedding. Like we are four months away. I had two Uh, emergency surgeries back to back and I just didn't want to put my body through any more trauma before actually getting married so I actually found out before I got married about my diagnosis so you were diagnosed and treated for the endometriosis few four months short months before you guys got married and said I do was there any indications of the endometriosis prior were you having painful periods I had had painful uh, periods like my entire teenage years but every time I went to the doctor or every time we went to emergency they would do the same thing they would just give me morphine say it was a bad uh, menstrual and send me on my way like no one ever did 
ultrasounds or anything it just always says oh it's just a bad month for you you know take some medicine they even went as far as giving me uh muscle relaxers for the pain saying oh this will help you get some sleep take this you'll be fine and so for probably maybe 10 15 years that's what i did i took muscle relaxers i took ibuprofen I did warm packs and would go to sleep, but I would be in so much pain. I just I just keep hearing the same thing over and over again with a lot of endometriosis uh, sufferers like yourself that have these menses that are extremely painful. And I don't believe in some other research that I've done. And I'm pretty sure you have as a nurse and a medical professional, like, you know, now that that's not normal, you know, right. and I just I just wonder why why it keeps getting brushed off like that can i ask if your doctors were caucasian they were and i even like and i know this is so far-fetched because i'm in the medical profession and so i know how hard it is to do any type of um you know malpractice but i was sharing with my husband i'm like i was mistreated and misled for so many years of my life that when I was finally uh, uh, diagnosed and treated, it was too late for me. I feel like they actually took away my opportunity to be able to become a mother naturally. And so when you say you felt like they mistreated you, is that because the decision that they made while you were under the knife? I feel, even before that, I feel like because... So even though I'm a nurse and I am all for, you know, taking Western medicine, if that's what you need to treat you. But I also try to look at things from a holistic uh, point of view. And so I feel like here I am, 16 years old. I'm on this uh, birth control medicine. Then you take me off of birth control and put me on a stronger dose of birth control. You give me muscle relaxers. You give me a uh, prescription, which is basically an ibuprofen, but a little bit stronger. And so I just feel like once you take a medication for one thing, it leads to something different. And I just feel like they covered up all of my symptoms with medication that just put me to sleep and of course when you sleep you think you're not in pain because you're sleeping and so I just feel like they failed me all the way around from the age 16 all the way up into going into surgery thinking that I'm going to get one ovary and one tube removed to wake up to both of my fallopian tubes being removed and so remind me again and remind us again why they decided to take both they said that once they got inside that the endometriosis was so bad that my tubes could not be saved there was scar tissue um, entangled around both fallopian tubes and there was just no way that they could save them wow 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 Did, now you weren't married yet so was there anybody there at the hospital with you that they would have asked isn't it usually protocol sometimes for them to ask a, a family member like what do you think she would do um you know and have an authorization to make decisions for you okay so um by the time i had the surgery to get the fallopian tube 
and um the ovary removed i was married so okay this was okay. in 2019 so i had been married for two years i just celebrated my two-year anniversary surgery was literally the day after our anniversary um and so they did ask my husband and because he is you know he's a man and so he like well is it gonna save her life is it, it's gonna keep her around if yes then do what you have to do and so you know, that's what they did. But I I woke up in a complete, like, next time, wake me up. <laughs> Ask mm-hmm. me what I want. I just, I felt so defeated. And it's so crazy because um, one of the nurses that works in the recovery, she said, like, you had the whole recovery room crying. She said, I don't know, the anesthesia wore off really early. She's like, as soon as they brought you out, into recovery like you sat up on the bed and was like I don't have both of my fallopian tubes you took both of my tubes and she's like the crazy thing is you were sleeping there's no way you would have known I'm like listen I'm a woman I know my body I don't physically know what was going on but my mind was working and I knew that I left out of that operating room with something completely different than what was supposed to go on Mm. And she's like, I was boohoo crying and the whole recovery room was crying. And I'm like, find my husband, find my parents. Somebody has to tell me something. And as soon as I saw my husband's face, I already knew the answer. And I just, I broke down. Holy crap. Goodness gracious. That just gave me chills. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. It was so horrible. It was so sad. I felt like. I just felt like I had no say so whatsoever in what was going to go on with my body. Wow. 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 Ooh. And that's only been two years themselves. Yes. Yes. That's it. And so do you ever have times where you find yourself right back in that moment mentally and emotionally? Yes. More times than I really want to, because for the most part, I can be a strong person i can you know handle things head on i always say like listen i have some strength that i do not know where it came from but then some days i am just sitting and i'm in a daze and i'm like wow somebody actually took something away from me something that i cannot get back you know have those what if moments you know what if ivf does not work for me you know, what if IVF just doesn't agree with my body? What if my body rejects the eggs going back in? I will not naturally become a mother. And so I get I get angry sometimes. I get sad sometimes. But then it pushes me to be an advocate even the more for others. Mm-mm-mm. That's, um... Mm. And you know, what what strikes me as powerful is that you say, I woke up with no fallopian tubes, even though you knew going into surgery that there was a possibility that they would take one, right? Right. Yep. Yes. But just the, the next level of devastation being that when you woke up, both of them being gone yep. and mm, it, it, it almost feels like you just, you never... It's almost like you don't anticipate having a part of your body removed to, to be so devastating. You know what I mean? Um, I imagine that women who have had hysterectomies because of endometriosis or fibroids or something like that, 
you know, you know, it's going to hurt, you know, you're going to feel bad about it. But I, did you feel like you didn't know it was going to be this hurtful and painful? Yeah. So I honestly, I think the thing that hurt the most, and, and these may not even be the right words. I felt like the deceit hurt me so much more because I had a, a pre-op appointment the day before literally the day before we did an ultrasound they're like oh my god the right side looks great this right ovary um looks great right tube looks good so i went in with confidence like listen they're gonna take that left side i'm gonna come out heal up a little bit and then we'll be able to try naturally or at least try iui um because we have one tube and one ovary left like the right side looks great and so when i woke up and they're like oh, that right side was horrible. I'm like, okay, well, what changed from yesterday to today? Because I'm not understanding. Make it make sense because it's not right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so that, Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, dear. No, you're fine. I think that is what hurts the most because I went in, you know, I was, I had geared myself up. I had, had a pep talk with myself like, listen, okay, so now you're at like a 50% chance you have the one tube is not as, as, you know, great as it would be if you had both tubes, but it's okay. You know, you have one, you can still do this. So to wake up and not have any, that was a whole different type of pain. This is just so, oh my gosh, it's, you know, it. what can, what can I say? I can't say nothing to make you or anybody else really feel better you know when we have to have body parts taken away from us because of um these conditions and ailments that attack our body and when you were saying earlier about the devastation of it and having those moments and times where you feel like you healed and then you feel like you have taken three steps back one day, you know? So how are you, how, how was it going back to work, caring for others, knowing that you needed to be mothered and cared for? Um, It was actually kind of easy for me to go back to work because at this point I was doing kind of just uh, private duty. So I worked alone. Okay. And, um, okay. I worked with a little five-year-old. And so it gave me time to not be in a place where like people were asking you questions because, you know, people want to ask you those weird questions and you're just like, you know, I don't want to deal with this today. So it was kind of easy for me because I would come in, get report from the one nurse that was there and kind of go on about my day. It wasn't until I would go to like maybe church or out and about and you see somebody you went to high school with and then they're like girl we almost 40 you ain't having babies yet or you know someone at church mm-hmm. will be like oh girl you're married you need to give that man some kids and it would be like a gut punch like listen <laughs> if you must know you know this is why and so I think that's what really gave me the push as well to be so open and so transparent with my journey because it was like, okay, people don't know. And when I say to them, all I have endometriosis and infertility, and they're like, oh, well, what's that? You know, and when mm-hmm. you hear infertility, you automatically think, oh, you can't have kids at all. And, you know, that's not the case. So it was 
it was kind of comforting for me to be able to educate someone else on, okay, yep, I may not be able to have children naturally, but I can do X, Y, and Z to get, you know, children. So that kind of helped, but it definitely was those awkward times where I just wanted to be like, bro, just stop talking to me. (laughs) You know, like, I don't want to discuss this. I don't want to share it, but I did to give myself some peace and to give myself, you know, not to be going crazy because someone's asking me why I'm not pregnant yet. Yeah. It's, and you know, it kind of feels intrusive too, because even if you didn't have infertility and I know be like, before I got diagnosed, I would be like, why are these people asking me this question? Like, can I just live? Right. What if we didn't want kids, you know? Right. What if, what if we didn't want kids? Just because everybody has children, you know, or it seemingly seems like everybody around you has children doesn't mean that I want to. And I think that um, I think that people just, especially people that you know, they're like, they just, they don't have any ill intent, but right. it really doesn't sting any less, especially after you become diagnosed with infertility. So how are you or how have you been able to get through holidays uh vacations and with the image that you have in your head or you may dream about of what your family would look like if you expanded and you know IVF worked or whatever treatment process you go through would work how are you handling those types of intimate moments where you're like I could I could have a kid right now a girl a boy with us right now or you know I could be pregnant right now Usually, I am good. So, like I said, so we're two years in. The first year, I was kind of okay because we had talked about doing a round of IVF. And, you know, so I was okay. And then we decided to wait a little while. Um, but I was okay. I was like, it's all right because next year, you know, we're going to be pregnant. It's going to be fine. You know, it's that's what's up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work for us. So usually holidays, I am completely fine. This past holiday was completely rough for me. Um, my husband had a stroke right after Thanksgiving. Mm. And so he was in the hospital and I was dealing with that. And then we were supposed to start a round of IVF on Christmas Eve. And we went to the doctor and some of my blood work was off and my body just wasn't um, in a predicament to start the cycle. And so they called me later on Christmas Eve. We were supposed to start injections and I'm all excited. I got my meds out and I'm taking my little pictures like our little family in the box. You know, we're Mm -hmm, ready. mm -hmm. And they were like, you cannot start tonight. We are going to hold off we're going to give your body some time to heal we're going to put you on a different medication let's look again in february so christmas i was in complete uh, in distress mm. i didn't want to talk to anybody i didn't want to get on facebook because i didn't want to see the cute little matching pajama pictures with the families Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to go to my family's house because they all knew, like they knew that, oh, Christmas Eve, they were going to start, you know, the injections. They're going to pull her eggs January the 3rd. Like we're ready. And, and they were all ready and excited. And I was just like, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay home and we're going to look at each other. And I actually slept the holiday away. Wow. Wow. And yeah. you said that the doctors wanted your body to heal. What were they wanting you to heal from before so they... I had, 
I had had some more scarring and so they went in to scrape some uh, more of the tissue off and my body had a, a reaction to the to the biopsy of the um, Is it scar e tissue. Was it an ERA they did on you? Huh? Was it an ERA, the endometrium yes. receptivity test? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. So they wanted me to just take a break. They're like, you've already had some trauma, and because the endometriosis is, you know, surrounded uh, by your uterus, let's let's just wait. You know, it, it's no rush. And I'm looking to them like, it's no rush to you because you do this every day. But to someone like me who has never been a mother, my hopes are completely high my anxiety is high this is like the end of the world part two for me <laughs> you know yeah yeah and that's interesting you said it. it's like it's no rush to you doc right. because you know I always think about like when they say things like that and you would know and you would think that because they deal with um infertility all the time that they would be like they'd be more empathetic in some of the things that they say but I think sometimes they just forget in the moment you know how right. how how much you're going through emotionally at any given time you know, and when they say things like that, I think they, well, yeah, here's the thing. My doctor, I know for specific, specifically, she has a couple of kids and, you know, she never had any issues with infertility and right. she's really, she was really good about not making comments like that and stuff. But for the doctors who do, it's like, okay, but have you gone through what I'm doing right now? Right, right. And um, sometimes. Yeah, yeah they forget. Yeah. They they forget, I think, sometimes just being in the midst of it and dealing with whatever they have going on in themselves. And so after so after your husband is recovering, you guys are like trying to get through the holidays. He's still recovering, right, from his stroke and everything. Like, right. you know, January first comes around. So how did you pick yourself back up? And I know that you are a Christian woman and you have uh your your faith is deeply instilled into Christ. And yes. so outside of your the religious aspect of your healing, what 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 were the ways in which you were able to come out of that 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 sinking sand feeling? So I am huge uh with like journaling. And so I would just write. I was a creative writing major when I was in high school. I took some um, mm. writing classes in college. And so I just, I write. I write my feelings. And for the most part, when I'm done writing, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good. Let's go. Um, I have my Facebook group, The Grace of Hannah Infertility Support. And the ladies in there just give me so much courage to just keep going. Um, I can get in and share things with them. And even if they don't, right back on on the wall or in the group i'm getting inboxes saying like listen i was feeling that today i'm not as open with you you know about my journey but i appreciate you i thank you and so that that helps me heal because i know that i am the voice for someone else yeah you have your your grace your grace of hannah group on facebook which is how we connected um yeah. probably almost a year ago now I can't yeah. believe that went by so fast. Holy crap. And right. so you got you 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 log on to Facebook for the first time after you like, look, girl, you gotta get it together. The new year is here. It's almost February. So I'm so I'm I imagine you're thinking about your upcoming um, appointment to for with your IVF treatment. And so 
tell me how it felt like logging into to Facebook for the first time in a new year and just reading the messages from the ladies in your group and all of the encouragement that, well, they're thanking you for all of the encouragement that you give them, but they don't know how much you needed it, right? Right. And that is really what and why I do this. Because, like I said, I just, I am an open book when it comes to this fertility journey. Because I know what it feels like to, one, fight in silence. Because when I first was diagnosed, we kept it a secret. Only our close friends and family knew. And I didn't want to open it up to the world. But then when I did, it was like every other person I met either dealt with endometriosis or infertility or had a family member who had dealt with it. Even down to I was going to job interviews and Mm -hmm. I'm explaining to them like, listen, I have fertility issues. I have to see my fertility specialist at least once a week for a little while and the lady who's doing my interview was like, oh my God, I just came back. I had my baby from IVF. Let me show you a picture. It was almost like it was a sign that I wasn't doing the right thing, that I wasn't alone. And so I needed to let others know that they weren't alone. And on those days where I felt like I wanted to give up and I felt like, um, woe is me. And I would Mm -hmm. log on and see someone who is like, Somebody that I kind of, you know, look up to and think has it all together. And they're like, hey, listen, just wanted to reach out to you. I'm going through an issue myself, but thank you for encouraging me. And I'm looking like, oh, you've entrusted me, you know, with with your secret and, Mm -hmm. and you're thanking me. And I appreciate you because you're encouraging me to keep going. And it lets me know that the same exact thing that I'm feeling, somebody else is feeling. And so now we have like a virtual connection. And a lot of these people, some of them I know from my hometown, and then some of them I have never met a day in my life. Mm -hmm. But they're like, oh, I feel like I'm so close to you. I feel like you're like a sister to me. We're, We're on this walk together. And I'm like, yes, I got you. And you got me. Even if you don't realize it, you are encouraging me and you're making me feel good. And you're making me feel that I'm doing all of this for all of the right reasons. It's not about me. It's really about helping someone else to know, listen, I'm going to help heal you. I'm going to help you walk this journey. I got you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all we need to know is that somebody's in our corner. Yes. You know, and especially when it comes from another woman, because society has raised us to believe that we have to be in competition with one another. And so that when we come together through something that is so painful and, you know, people are really like they mean it when they say we here for you, you know, it makes all the difference. And it's just a beautiful thing. And um, your group is 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 helping so women, so many women. And, you know, it's so hard sometimes to get them to open up and stuff like that. But I always say, you know, some they're watching, you know, they're watching, they're listening. And, you know, they're taking it all in and, and maybe they one day they will be open about it. And maybe one day they won't. You know, it's not for everybody to be the voice or the face. You know what I'm saying? And um, so that's what's and like you said, it's, you know, it's much bigger than than um, than than just for you. You feel like it's much bigger than just infertility. It's about continuing your your work of a nurse outside of 
you know, your nine to five and using those same techniques and skills to help other people, which is wonderful. And so I was going to ask you how, look, we're what, few days away from February? So when is when is your date to go back to your RE in February? February the third. Oh my gosh, so that's my sister's birthday. <laughs> oh, wow, oh, that's a good sign for me. Yes. <laughs> yes, she she her birthday's on the third. Wow. So, are you feeling anxious? What's what, what, what's Tiffany feeling like right now? Uh, today, right now, I'm okay. I believe probably by. February the 1st, I will be completely uh, anxious. I probably will uh, be probably make myself sick <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm just so ready. And I know that this can be, you know, this is going to be an exam to see how my body is doing. It. And so I already struggle as well with um, my egg production. And so I take all of these meds to try to help me uh, get healthy eggs and to get a lot. The last time we went, I think I had like four follicles on one side and three on the other. And I was like, oh, seven, because we struggled for a minute. At one point, there was only three for a very long time. And so that gives me anxiety. Um, I'm 38. I'll be 39 this year. So all of that stuff plays a major part when it's time for me to get ready to go into these appointments. But I keep telling myself, listen, I can be anxious for nothing. I need to just relax and go with an open mind. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm ready. (laughs) I am ready. And so this will come out. By the time this comes out, you will have already went to your appointment and probably have a protocol and things like that. And so what what would you say to someone else listening today who maybe getting ready to have some form of uh, treatment for endometriosis or infertility in general, uh, some encouragement to give them um, or some wisdom that you've learned along the way, apart from what we've already talked about. So for me, what I found to be so just encouraging and I would share with anyone is to own your truth. In the beginning, I didn't want to accept the fact that I had endometriosis. I didn't want to accept the fact that it was going to take me an extra step to become a mom. I wanted to have a pity party, but I owned my truth. I owned the fact that it's going to happen for me, just not in the way that I expect for it to happen. But once I owned it and I accepted it, I was able to move forward. I would encourage you to speak life because there is definitely power of uh, life and death in our tongue. And so I'm going to always speak that I'm going to be a mother and I'll speak that you're going to be a mother. And then I took responsibility for healing myself. I went through making sure that I only put healthy things in my body. I went through making sure that I was giving myself positive affirmations. I wrote a 31-day affirmation journal for women dealing with infertility and infant loss. And oftentimes, I would find myself going back to my journal to encourage myself and affirm some positive things over myself. So I would just encourage you to speak life. What you want, what you want to see, speak it out of your mouth and believe it. Believe what you say. If you want to be a mom, you're going to be a mom. 
If you want to be healed, you're going to be healed. If you have to go in for some type of treatment, claim that I'm going to go in and I'm going to get the best news possible. You just have to encourage yourself and never give up. Mm, I love all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. And girl, I just thank you. And I'm so glad that we finally got the chance to sit down for a few minutes and chat. And I just appreciate you for just being you and creating your platform and your group and all the work that you're doing to help other women and families suffering with infertility too, all while being in the thick of it yourself. So it's, uh, it's, it's truly commendable and, and, and incredible. And so tell us how we can connect with you, uh, whether email the, the Facebook group, your Instagram. So we have uh, Instagram. It is Hannah's Heart Fertility LLC. It's all one word. Um, and then our Facebook is The Grace of Hannah Infertility Support. And then I also am a holistic fertility doula. And so I have a Facebook business page, which is also called Hannah's Heart Fertility LLC, where I just specialize in holistic healing for women who are on a fertility journey. You guys heard it here. Our girl Tiffany, her information and ways for you to connect with her further and join the Facebook group will be in the show notes for you to tap and go. Any information we speak about in the episode and other information I think is valuable to you guys is always in the show notes and you can connect with the guest or myself by tapping and going. Thank you girl again so much and thank you guys for listening here at Infertility and Me Podcast. Peace and blessings. If you enjoyed today's episode, friend, take a screenshot and let me know on Instagram and tag Infertility and Me Podcast. You can also reach me at infertilityandmepodcast.com with your questions, comments, and feedback.